0: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 9 of Miss Pym's Camouflage This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley Chapter 9 She now decided to resume visibility and knock at the door of the house where the girl had taken refuge. She knocked gently and could hear soft scufflings within and panting breath. Ouvre, she said quietly at the keyhole, I am not German. I bring you good news. She could hear a whispered parley, and the door was cautiously opened. She slipped into a dark room, and the door was refastened. Then cold, eager hands reached out to her, hands hardened by toil. They drew her and pushed her into a room at the back. What a strange little group she saw there a tall old peasant leaning on a stick an old old woman with the face of a seer girls whose pale faces shone almost phosphorescent in the deepening twilight and small children looking up at her with such waiting hungry eyes oh my friends cried miss pym in broken accents i am english i have come across secretly to bring you good news THE FRENCH AND THE ENGLISH ARE ADVANCING TO DELIVER YOU. SOON THIS VILLAGE WILL BE FRANCE AGAIN. THE GERMANS ARE RETREATING. WE HAVE MORE MEN AND MORE GUNS THAN THE Boche. THE NIGHT WILL SOON HAVE PASSED, AND THE GREAT NEW DAWN IS COMING TO FRANCE AND TO THE WHOLE WORLD. NO, MADAME, WE ARE ALL LOST, ALL FORSAKEN, SAID THE OLD MAN huskily. WHEREUPON THE WOMAN who looked aged beyond computation, in a high trembling voice, chanted, This is the truth. France is victorious. France shall soon come into her own. We shall live to see that day, because we could not die till that beautiful day had come. Then we shall pass away happy. Madame, you saved me from the monsters, said a voice in Miss Pym's ears. Madame, give us food, cried the children. Madame, do not stay here. The Germans will certainly kill you if they find you. And they will then spit us all on their bayonets, cried one of the women. But you have given us comfort and hope, cried another woman. You must carry on that message of comfort to others, said Miss Pym. Tell me, where are the headquarters of these soldiers? Down the main road, then to the right, and Madame will see the gates of the chateau. Oh, the thieves and murderers! They have taken away all the things in the chateau, even Madame la Comtesse clothes. They have stabled horses in Le Grand Salon, walking them up the terrace steps by boards. Yes, and they have taken everything here, piped a little boy, all Grandmère's linen and all our casseroles. And my little bowl, cried a wee girl. They took my little bowl, and they put out the eyes of my poupée and tore off her arms. Madame, let me see your face, said the old man. We are not able to afford lights, but I will light these resinous twigs, so that we can see the face of the brave Englishwoman, if only for a few seconds. Standing outside the back door, amid a crowd of poor French people who had heard of Miss Pym's coming, the old man held aloft a torch of crackling pine. Miss Pym stepped forward and looked at the careworn people. A strange sight never to be forgotten, the leaping light, the wall of faces, all stamped with privation and fear, the solemn old man who held the lighted sticks till the flame gave out and a shower of sparks scattered. Then a distant bugle sounded, and Miss Pym decided to slip away unseen. She must sleep in the woods, that was clear, but she wished to visit the chateau before retiring to rest. Her small stock of food must be kept for emergencies. It was important, therefore, to secure a bite from headquarters. The soldiers were not going hungry, and perhaps she could carry away a good meal for the poor hungry people she had left. What a scene at the chateau! Orderlies, men of the auxiliary service, were hurrying about. The magnificent ballroom of the chateau was put to a base use. All the tapestries had been removed, and the great mirrors were starred by bullets. Cases were being packed or unpacked, and noise and disorder reigned. Suddenly a door above, giving on to a balcony, was opened with extreme violence. Doubtless in happy times the orchestra played here, and the guests of the chateau danced in the splendid ballroom below, reflected again and again in the great mirrors. A stout German officer, his head shaved to the skin, burst through the door onto the balcony, and leaning over the gilded balustrades, yelled, Silence! An order hardly necessary to voice, as his mere presence had effectually silenced the noisy crowd below. The German glared down on the people, then raising his revolver, he deliberately fired into a corner where the men were massed. After that, Giving a satisfied grunt, he withdrew. Miss Pym stiffened with horror. The bullet had whistled past her head and buried itself in the chest of a young soldier. He gave one cough and fell dead. Miss Pym fled from the room and hurriedly mounted the branching staircase of white stone and, opening one side of the great folding doors, slipped into the immense salon over the ballroom. Here at table set fifteen German officers, amongst them the murderer she had seen on the balcony. They were loudly drinking soup, and looked up at the opening door, which Miss Pym closed behind her. You thought that was the ghost of the man you shot, eh, Conrad? Ah, the fellow isn't dead. I just gave him a lesson in manners. They all want teaching. The general, a lean, savage-looking man, called out, "'Colonel Conrad, I don't like your discipline.' I hear the man Brunen was popular. This will make trouble. The soldiers are less disciplined every day, and this sort of discipline of yours may lead to mutiny. You told me to obtain silence, said Colonel Conrad sulkily, wiping his mustache. Not by killing the men, retorted the General sternly. A man more or less, General, began the Colonel. I tell you, Brunen was popular, said the General severely. I never liked the fellow myself. I hear he was a socialist, but it is not politic to kill him. There has been a lot of restiveness amongst the men today. It is reported your men ran away this evening from voices. Hell and thunder, Conrad, this won't do. Germans running away from voices. But the men will have it, General, that they heard ghostly voices, said a young staff officer eagerly. It began over a girl "'I won't have this sort of thing going on,' shouted the general, banging the table with his fist, till the glasses rang. "'Send for the corporal who was in charge of that particular lot.' The officers looked bored. They were hungry, and a roast goose banked round with sausages was being brought in. How annoying the general could be! The corporal stood at attention. "'What is this nonsense about voices?' asked the general abruptly. THE CORPORAL'S EYES ROLLED, SPEAK OR YOU SHALL BE PUNISHED. MY GENERAL, IT IS TRUE, WE ALL HEARD A VOICE THIS EVENING IN THE VILLAGE. THAT SHAMELESS GIRL Claude, WAS BEING DISCIPLINED BY SERGEANT Krauss. WHEN BRUNEN, THE LATE HANS Brunan, CAME UP AND THREATENED Kraus AND TRIED TO FREE THE GIRL, SUDDENLY A VOICE SPOKE ALL ROUND US, SAYING WE WERE DOOMED, THAT WE WERE LOST, THAT WE HAD NO RIGHT TO KILL WOMEN AND CHILDREN that was Brunan. he was doubtless a ventriloquist he did it to frighten you go and tell the men that he was able to throw his voice anywhere but he is dead now and a good riddance the men won't hear any more voices if they do they must be punished see that they stand their ground what are german soldiers coming to hell and thunder then miss pym raised her voice you are doomed EVERY MAN OF YOU WILL DIE VERY SOON, AND YOU WILL BE PUNISHED FOR YOUR CRUELTY AND WICKEDNESS. YOU ARE DOOMED, DOOMED. THE CORPORAL GAVE A HOWL AND STRAIGHTWAY FLED FROM THE ROOM, FOLLOWED BY THE SOLDIERS WAITING WITH THE PLATES AND THE MEN ABOUT TO CARVE THE SUCCULENT GOOSE. ANOTHER FELLOW DROPPED A BOTTLE OF champagne AND TORE AFTER THE OTHERS. SEVERAL OFFICERS ROSE FROM THEIR SEATS WITH PALE FACES AND TWITCHING NOSTRILS. But Colonel Conrad completely collapsed and commenced crying like a small boy. The general, who was rather deaf, did not understand the sudden madness. He sat there in such a fury he was literally speechless. He looked at Conrad, whose face was buried in a table napkin, and at the perturbed officers, and with tremendous self-control he said, "'Ring for the dinner!' Miss Pym quickly approached the sideboard snatched up several large serviettes in which she wrapped the goose, the sausages, and the potatoes, also a big loaf of bread. She pulled four large candles from the candelabra, seized two bottles of champagne, and decamped. Rushing down the village, she made her way to the back of the houses, finding at last the house where she had delivered the message of hope. The inmates were sitting on the doorstep, whispering together, with the neighbors miss pym made herself visible and beckoning to the women she displayed a corner of the loaf and the end of a sausage quick you must give a banquet here is a goose and sausages a big loaf and potatoes all for you madame but you will share with your neighbors i am sure and a little champagne to drink the health of the allied armies bonsoir mes amis and miss pym glided away down the village highway supperless i must get a little bread and wine she thought or i shall not sleep and seeing a light in what had been the presbyter she looked in here a few young german subalterns were smoking bottles of wine were on the table miss pym becoming invisible let herself in quietly no one noticed her entrance she seated herself in a corner and with a thick slice of tolerable bread and a glass of claret She made her humble meal. The officers were talking in a low voice. One was writing to his fiancée in the Black Forest. Miss Pym, satisfied, rose and fetching a pillow and a quilt from an upper room, strolled out into the soft night, starlit with a new moon, just a curved slip rocking on its back. Miss Pym was so weary she could hardly drag her tired feet. She determined to sleep beyond the village in a little wood reached through fields of young barley and meadows of lush grass she wandered a while in the wood trying to find a suitable spot and at last in the shadow of a granite boulder and beneath a thick-leaved chestnut tree miss pym laid herself down to sleep after recommending her body and soul to the care of almighty god covered by the down quilt her head on a redundant pillow Miss Pym soon slept as deeply and soundly as in her pretty bedroom at Froghurst Manor. End of chapter 9